Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. This is part two of how to bet the 2024 NBA MVP. This is our best bets episode. If you missed it, we did go through the entire process of what we look at when examining how to make these bets, not only in, in before the season, but also throughout the season. We talked about the process, about identifying voters, about those trends, about all of that. You can find that in your feed right now, or you can find it on our YouTube page, which you should go to and check out right now, the Action Network YouTube page. It's got all of our podcasts, all of our live shows, such great content. Make sure to go there, like, and subscribe, turn on notifications so you can join those live shows. Appreciate you guys joining us and supporting us over on the YouTube page. You should also download the award-winning Action Network app. It's the best way for you to track your picks. You get Brandon's picks in there. You get My Future's picks in there. You get all sorts of great content All of our stuff can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. On today's show, I'm joined by Brandon Anderson, NBA Futures Analyst. We gave our big breakdown of how to bet the MVP in part one. So, Brandon, it's time to get to the meat on this bone. Let's start talking about best bets. Who are your best bets for 2024 NBA Most Valuable Player? I'm taking two guys for MVP heading into the season. Give me Luka Doncic. MVP plus 600 and Jason Tatum at plus 1000. I'll be betting both of those implied odds together is a plus 328 ticket on Luca or Tatum to be MVP. Luca is the is second on BetMGM's list for odds behind Nikola Jokic at 5 to 1 and Tatum is 1 2 3 4 5th on that list as well. As I've been talking about pretty consistently, I will only be betting bets that are nine to one or longer in preseason based off of my approach to building a portfolio. I don't want to bet any of the short ones yet. My two best bets, Shea Gilgis Alexander SGA of the Oklahoma city thunder 
at plus 1600, 16 to 1. And Donovan Mitchell of the Cleveland Cavaliers at 25 to 1, plus 2500 on Donovan Mitchell. Let's start with yours, Brandon. We'll start with Luca. Go over real quickly the thresholds that you established in the first episode yep. and why Luca is such a good fit for these. Yeah, so the rules set up that from our uh, first episode, here's what we want from MVP. We need scoring 25 points a game or more. We need to win. How much? We'll see. But very likely at least 50 wins in a top three seed. We need games. We know you have to have 65 games or more. Typically, probably 72 games or more based on historical. Key thing here that all four of the guys we're talking about fit that age range. 24 to 28 age range for this season. That is the key there. And then, of course, some of the metrics and pass voting that helps out. So as I kind of set up, okay, I'm looking at the top 10 or so candidates. I look at my five rules and I say, okay, check the boxes for me. Who checks all the boxes? And last year going into the season, I literally said, I think on this show, Nikola Jokic checks every box for me. That's literally what that meant is, all five of my rules, he hits perfectly. So I don't have a five for five box checker this year, which is why I'm a little confused in MVP. Luka Doncic, I'm giving credit for 3.3 boxes checked out of the five because let me start with the bad and the case against and then why I like him. I don't know if he plays enough games. Here's Luka's game count the last four years. We do this with Embiid. Everyone knows Embiid misses time, but Luka's at... 61, 66, and those are shorter seasons, 65 and 66 the last two years. So Luca, three years in a row, has barely, barely hit the 65-game threshold. We talked in the first episode about how far over do you have to go to be determined. It helps to play to be valuable. You got to be on the court. But you miss a couple more games in there. You suddenly aren't even eligible to win. We know already that he's kind of has recurring injuries and health issues. He doesn't necessarily have take care of his body the best as, as what we might like as fans and analysts watching. We saw at the FIBA world cup already. He had some nagging injuries that he's kind of working through. That's now that happened in the last week or two. So, you know, training camp comes in in October preseason off we go. That's a thing. And then obviously the other question with Luca, can he win enough games? Can the Mavs win enough games? to get to 50, to get to a top four, a top three seed, whatever the threshold is. And one more possible uh, check against, do people want Luka Doncic to be MVP? Does he have a narrative in his favor? I'm not totally sure if he does. I kind of was hoping for the big heroic Slovenia run at World Cup that would propel him forward. And instead he uh, got himself ejected in this final game. And that's not the narrative I was going for. So why do I like him? He fits the James Harden fit for MVP. He fits the Russell Westbrook. He's going to have crazy usage. He's going to have crazy stats. He might put up a 30-point triple-double for the season. He has a good chance to lead the league in scoring or come close to it. That key age demo, age 24 to 28, again, depending on how we count the top guys, Jokic fits in that group. Jokic is the best player in the world, so he's the best player in the demo. Luka Doncic is very clearly, to me, the next best player in the age 24-28 group other than Jokic, and maybe other than Giannis, if we want to count Giannis slightly into that group. He 
he's the best player. And in basketball, I want to pick the best player. He's going to have great BPMs and EPMs and VORPs and all the advanced metrics. He's going to have all the counting numbers. He did not finish top six in MVP last year. We talked about how predictive that's been. But he has finished top six three times previously. I did not get a chance to to narrow this down, but there can't be a lot of players in history who have finished top six that many times and then not won or gotten near the top eventually. He was only eighth last year, though, which, again, I, I do think was a bit of the narrative problem. So Luca doesn't quite check the box for me. I did end up higher on Dallas as a team, and I do think that, that they're about a three or a four seed for me. So Luca is actually, like when I first told you this was my guy, you said, oh, yep, that makes sense. Checks all the boxes. I didn't think so. This was a surprise to me. This is not who I would have thought coming into the year because he kind of fits into the does too much for his team. is too valuable a box that I don't like to bet on. But I think Dallas sets up pretty well this year offensively. I like the guys they added in the offseason that they had. I think Dallas is pretty good. And if Dallas is pretty good, Luka has to be a top three candidate. So that's my case for Luka Doncic. Uh, I'm going to propose we add another rule. Okay. Okay. Uh, has the candidate ever played alongside Kyrie Irving? Like that's the <laughs> that's the threshold. Like no no, pl- no teammate of Kyrie Irving has ever won MVP in the year that's that they true. played together. True story. Um, true. So I think the number is really part of the reason that he, I'm not going to bet Luca now. Yeah. And look, I love betting MVP. I paid more attention to MVP than anything else. This might be a year where the Mavericks get off to a hot start, which propels them into 52 game, 52 wins. And Luca does has similar numbers to what he put up last year, only with a little bit better efficiency. The Mavericks offense is unstoppable. Uh, and nobody else really pops the, to the same degree from a statistical standpoint. And the value evaporates quickly. Like Luca could be plus 125 by, by the, time that the uh, mid-season tournament wraps and at that point you know I, I've lost all of this value on this I've lost three bucks of value on it but I'm okay with that like I'm willing to risk that a couple of things I think that are important to contextualize with Luca. one if we look at the course of his conditioning a thing that Mavericks fans will tell you is that Luke is a rare athlete who actually works himself out of shape. This is a baffling thing. Huh. Most everybody else gets in. Like there are lots of players that come in and didn't actually work all that. Ha- they took off in the summer because they needed a rest or they're Paul Pierce. And then they work themselves into shape as the season goes along because you're playing basketball every night. Luca, for whatever reason, has actually, you can go back and watch it. He gains weight as the season goes along. And I don't have any, like, I'm not, I'm not aware of his nutritional habits or anything else outside of his uh, love of uh, the, uh, an alcoholic beverage every now and again, which cheers to him. Can't, can't fall to guy, but it is something to kind of consider. Uh, The injury I think is important here. He suffered a dead leg thigh hit, a thigh bruise in FIBA play, FIBA world cup play. And it has bothered him so much that there's already reports of like, yeah, he's not going to be 100% coming into camp. That's okay. That's okay. He's in better shape because he played in FIBA World Cup. Like he was slim coming in and was slim throughout. 
but his leg was not in a good place that entire tournament. Like you could tell that he, there were times when he was lacking burst and athleticism, which is not good for a guy with conditioning issues based off of, off of everything else. He tends to wear out a little bit in part because his usage is so freaking sky high. Um, the usage isn't good or bad in this context. It's really bad if you're considering a bet on the Mavericks to win the title. Don't do that because guys Agreed. with usage rates like, like Luca has do not win the title. No. But for MVP, it's totally fine. Lots of guys when have usage this high, it helps to have the ball as much as Luca does because you're going to put up numbers. Um, Luca's efficiency last season, uh, if we look at some of these numbers, he was 88th percentile around the rim. He was 88th percentile for mid-range. He was only 39th percentile at 34% from three-point range. That's like a big number that needs to come up. It's It wobbles a lot with him. He'll have stretches where he's shooting 45%. And then a long stretch at 33, and then 74% uh, from the line for 35th percentile, which is not great. It's not good enough, I think, for a player that's going to generate as many fouls as yeah. grifts throughout the time. Um, he was, I will, I will note this. He was 99th percentile in EPM last season. He was third in estimated wins, which is another metric of dunks and threes, and he was 99th percentile offensively last season. He was second in offensive EPM last season. Uh, at plus 6.4 behind only Nikola Jokic. Uh, all the numbers are elite for him. So he definitely, yep. like, he fits here. My only question for you, Brandon, is do you feel like, I understand that you're like, well, I had to get, I had to come up with best bets. I get it. You're like, you've already admitted that you're like, it was hard coming up with, with, with bets this year. Do you feel like there's a good possibility that we get a better number later? Yeah, so I wanted to comment on that. That's a good question. And, and yes, is my answer. Uh, as we all know, it's football season and I'll be watching a lot of football and writing a lot of football and talking about a lot of football and occasionally hopping on buckets and doing some basketball. I will not personally have the luxury of following day in and day out every little second of the MVP and other races. I think there's a very good chance. Put it this way. You mentioned the idea of like, well, what if Dallas starts out really good and Luca's plus 125 at the end of the tournament in when is that? November, December, December. I don't think that's happening. I think there is a way better chance that you get a better number than plus 600 than there is a risk of you lost the chance and got the plus 100 at the end. And frankly, you you and I both love MVP. You would not enjoy finishing a season without having at least a piece of an MVP ticket. Sometimes you just have to not have a ticket. Like if you just miss a number and miss a guy, you can just not play the field that year. That would suck for MVP because it's a lot of fun. I don't see Luca running away with it. To me, the ways that can happen is either number one, Luca takes a leap, and suddenly, what does that mean? He's putting up like 38 points a game or kind of historic type numbers. I don't think that's happening because you've got Kyrie on the team. So I don't really know why he would suddenly take that leap. In fact, as I kind of did my own version of your Elite 100, just kind of checking in on guys over the summer. Luca hasn't really improved a lot in the last few years by the numbers because he's really good already. Like he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't need to improve a lot. He yeah. kind of did the same thing that James Harden did, which is he got really, really good. And then just kept being really, really good for a bunch of years after that. Like we maxed out the usage efficiency thing. You can only like when you take the type of difficult shots he does and the drives and everything similar to James Harden, He's not going to shoot 45% on threes. It's not happening. Steph can do it because Steph is Steph. Luca's not going to do it for the whole season because he's taking these like crazy difficult step back threes a lot of the time. So there's only so much you can add here. I don't really know that Luca has 
another level to get to. Like not game to game, not in the playoffs. Sure, that's another thing. But I don't know if there's another step here. So then, okay, could the Mavs run away with it? Could the Mavs be just like, oh man, this is a top three team and Luca's on the team and we know his numbers will be good. So that's that's the case. Like that's what I have to bet against if I am worried potentially like you about if I wait, I might miss it. I don't I don't see that for the Mavs. I don't see the holy cow, we missed our chance. The Mavs are a juggernaut. I'm high-ish on them, but I, I'm I'm not that worried about that. I I am willing to not I'm willing to bet on uh Kyrie and Luca screwing around and, and not having that be the thing that happens in October and November. So yes, I do think that there is a good chance you can probably add this slightly better later. We already know how good Luca is. Like he's already the obvious candidate. He's not going to be a lot better. I will say this. A, a big part of my case and why I came to Luca here as my top play is as I kept coming back to MVP, and we talked about this on the age 24 to 28 thing, there is a an in-prime NBA player vacuum right now of elite, elite superstars. Where if the age thing is right, if Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, the guys who have been the MVP race for years now, if they're aging out, if it's not their time anymore, somebody's got to be next, right? Yeah. Capital N next. And so who is it? Part of it is we don't know. I think you're banking on maybe Shea being next. We'll get to him when we do your case. Maybe it's someone that we don't know yet. I think that is very much, this is the year for it. Last year, there wasn't going to be a next when Embiid and Jokic were doing what they did. There was going to be Jokic and Embiid doing what they did. This year, I think there's a next. If there's a next, I'm taking Luca because he's an already now who could maybe get a little better still. I just think he's levels multiple above any other player I can get as the next elite, elite superstar. And it's a reason I'm not as excited about the second half of my bet for that same reason. So I'm just pinking on, give me the best player that fits my age range. Luca's going to win one eventually. This seems like an open year case for him to step into it. It's a really good bet it and forget it. Like, I think it's a really good, If again, if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't want to bet the MVP 15 times throughout the year like Matt does. I I absolutely think Luca at six to one, if you can find it in the market, you can find it five to one at BetMGM. You should absolutely bet that because like that's, that's the guy where it's like, there are reasons, and we'll get to them about why Giannis, Luca, or Giannis, Jokic, and Embiid are all unlikely to win this season. Why there's strong cases against them, not just like not really weak cases for them, but strong cases against them. And if we take those guys out, guess who's next in that order? And it's got to be the guy that was preseason favorite the last two seasons, and that's Luka Doncic. Yeah. Um, I again, I will wait on Luca and wait to see how this looks. And I'm willing to lose the value. Uh, Got to see the Mavericks. I went on a real GM pod talking about them and then realized that I was like, I was like looking at my number for them, which I have them 48 wins and second in the West Western conference behind Memphis. And was like, why am I so high on them? If I'm constantly saying all these issues and concerns I have. So I'm not ready to bet Luca yet. Um, I may have to grab Luca immediately after the season starts. We'll see. Okay. That's, that's what I was going to ask. Like, is is he first of all 48 50ish wins i think is in the west i think is in range for for getting you into that top seed mix so that that's about where i have them too i just i take that more positively than you 
Is Luca a name that you will look to potentially add to your portfolio, or is he just out for you? If on the if on Wednesday versus the Spurs, he just looks like God mode. And if the Mavericks are clicking by the that first two three games, I will already put a put a bet in on Luca uh, to start building a position. Okay, so, I have right. no resistance to him. Uh, can I do Shea? Yeah, let's hear it. So here's the Shea case. We went over all the thresholds and all all of the things. Well, Shea fits into so many of the categories that we talked about. He was 24 last season. He's 25. He's within range now of of those numbers, uh, which I think is is a great start here. Um, the we talked about this in the last episode of you needed to have gotten votes before. Guess who was fifth? Like this yeah. is it, people are were really surprised. I was like, y'all did not pay attention. Like people already voted for him. I had him fifth in the straw poll. Uh, that Tim Bontemps did right before the end of the season. And I will, I will caveat this very clearly. It was because Luca fell out because they tanked, right? Like the Mavericks fell apart and Luca and Luca was tanking. And so it was like, I can't give it to Luca with how the team underperformed versus the thunder who were way better than we expected. And Shea's numbers were so good. Okay. Let's put Shea in here. And Shea got that fifth spot. So it's not, I wouldn't necessarily, I'm like, if these numbers were even, if it was 500, even if even if it was if it was 500 right. at MVM, 700 for Shea, totally different than where we're at in the market now when I'm getting Shea at 16 to 1. Like that to me is a crazy number for a guy that finished fifth last season for a team that looks to be making a big jump. Part of what's baked into this number is I'm parlaying essentially uh, Shea continued, not improved, continued statistical performance with like thunder over way over like thunder over 48 and a half wins which is an unlikely number right it's unlikely but i would also get a long odd at it to get into right. this because of where their win total is in the market and so like last season i really again i don't think people understand shea was 31 5 and 6 last season so we're clearly in the range of the 25 threshold for scoring last season, uh, 51% from the field, 34.5% from three, 53% from two point range, uh, a 53% EFG and 91% from the line. If that three pointer ticks up even a little bit. And I want to point this out. This is part of the analysis too. When I dove deep into Shea's stats and I did a lot of stuff on him, a thing that stood out to me is that he is a superb jump shooter. The numbers do not reflect how good of a jump shooter he is. He doesn't go to it as much. Because he can get to the rim whenever he wants. Like, honestly, if we really kind of compare him from a two-point perspective, Luca or Shea's jump shooting numbers off the dribble are actually favorable versus Luca's. Luca's volume is just way higher. And so we have, like, similar levels of scoring. Shea's not as much of a passer, but look at the weapons that he was surrounded by. Those will probably tick up. I'm not, but this bet is not based off of in any way, shape, or form based off of the idea that Shea's going to have better numbers than Luca. I don't know that it's possible given what Luca does every night. But at 16 to 1, if the Thunder shock everybody and are like the Kings this season, and all of a sudden we're like, yeah, no, we thought they could win 46 games and they won 52, and they're two over expectation margin and they're a top three seed, and Shea has done what he's done, not only now, but carrying over from Team Canada. And that performance for a guy that they could say like, well, you know, we voted in fifth last year. I love this bet. I it was the one of the first ones I made when the market came out at sixteen to one. I absolutely love Shea Gillis Alexander for MVP. What what uh, what number did you get when the market first opened? Do you remember? 
23 to one. Okay. I, I do see a 20 to one out there to major book still right now as well. So yeah, Shay is a, when, when you and I initially were texting or slacking, like in June, as we're starting to wrap up the season saying, okay, let's turn the page to next year. Both of us locked on a Shea right away. as like, Ooh, uh, Shay, what do you think about Shay? He could be in the mix here. So he, as I talked about, like the, the capital next, who's got next in the NBA, I think Shea is in that mix. And we, the Clippers sure didn't think that when they traded him away. They sure did not think he was at this caliber of player. He's right in the mix of things by a lot of the thresholds. We talked about you got to be top 10 EPM the year before. He's 11th. So he's right there. Maybe you just got to be top 11 EPM. Maybe that's all you have to be. I talked about BPM. You got to be 7.4 or higher the year before. She's at 7.3. Maybe he's got to be 7.3 and higher. Like he's right there in the mix. And he, to me, I haven't made a decision on it. I haven't bolded on my sheet as, do I need to add this to my position still? I, I think the number is about right for him. And maybe that means that I should add it because usually numbers are, are way shorter than what they should be. So his odds at the number about what I have his odds at, I think where I come back to is two things. Number one, more than Luca, I can see a world where I don't see Luca being much better this year than Luca was last year. We talked yeah. about that. I think there is a world, a few of them, you talked about it, where Shea can be better than Shea was last year. Yeah. And we've seen plenty of times in American sports where guys go do the Olympic thing or the World Cup thing and around, around all those players and come back and make a leap after that, right? We've yeah. seen that happen. Guys come back and have huge seasons. So could that stage, could, could, you know, beating the Americans for third place. I know Dylan made all the shots, but Shea was the leader on that team. Could Could that be a leap forward? If that was a Team USA thing that happened, I think we'd be talking about it. We'd be being like, ah, Shay, you know, like that's the World Cup bump that he's going to get now. So I think that's all there. Here's why I struggled to get there. This is the only reason it hasn't that he's not the third name in my portfolio. And I'm willing to listen. When I did my team analysis, and we'll get there when we do the win totals podcast, I just feel much better about Dallas than I do about OKC. I have a real gap between the teams. And... I still think that the wins threshold and the top three seed threshold is still a thing, some amount of that. And I don't have OKC, I don't have them in that range of outcome the same way that I do Dallas. I end up having Dallas kind of a tier ahead of them. And to me, it comes down to not a bet on Luca or Shea, but which team around them do I like better right now this year? And I kind of surprise myself talking myself into liking-ish what the Mavs did and feeling like I, I love the Thunder. That, that's going to be a team I love and watch all year, but it feels maybe a year early still. And it's a young team. We need to see the defense there. Maybe Chet Holmgren is is the guy and changes everything that way. And, and then they probably are in the mix. But to me, a bet on Shea is a bet on Chet and Jalen Williams and Josh Giddy. And I'm willing to bet on Shea, but I don't think I'm willing to bet on those guys yet this year. And I realize I hear that that means I am you know choosing. I'm, bet, I'm choosing to bet on Kyrie instead of those yeah. guys. I hear it. I hear what's happening. That's just where I'm at. Yeah, that's my thing. Is like, okay, <laughs> okay. But here, here's actually a better one. Um, if the Thunder get there, it's not going to be based off of 
talent, but this is also, I did talk about this in the real GM pod about, I think we're seeing this a little bit more about, I don't think that it's star talent as much as it used to be. I, th- I think you need the right combination of guys. I think you need the right, how sure. do your five man lineups look together and where, Agreed. what, what's the ingredient that really makes that come together and it's coaching. And so you've got Jason Kidd, <laughs> and I got Mark Dagonal. Yeah. And I like my odds there. Now I'm not saying that, that the Thunder are going to win more games than the Mavericks. I have them projected, like I said, for more. They won 40 last year. We've got internal development from say Gillis Alexander, Josh Giddy, uh, and both of the Jalen Williams. We've got Chet Holmgren added to the mix. We've got Victor Oladipo and Dalvis Bertans as like veteran guys that can actually like do roles. Um, they have some rookies that can pop but rookies. I don't really add. I don't upgrade te- teams a lot for rookies. Uh, and so they've got Lou Dort still to be able to provide defense and shooting. For me, it's like, okay, if I've got them at 46, which I do, the jump from there to 52, that's six wins. That's well within range of they they're four, they're four wins better than I'm projecting. Cause I'm trying to be conservative on some of these fronts. And then they're plus two in Pythagorean where they just win. They win two coin flip games. And now we're well within range. The question is like, how much do you have to stretch to get the 50? Like that to me is the question is like, how much do I have to stretch the concept of what that team will be? And with OKC, I really am kind of like, I've seen a lot of teams like this where they just, they had all the momentum in the world. They were healthy and they managed to get, get there. And uh, all of those things combined is enough for me to believe that OKC, especially, I, I really got to stress this. It's also talking to people in the league, both scouts and coaches who have expressed that OKC is one of the tougher teams that you dread having to see them on your schedule. And mm-hmm. I had I dug into that a little bit and they were like, they're so prepared. They have so many different ways that they can play and they don't, they don't beat themselves. You're going to have to be OKC. They're not the most talented guys, but these teams that don't ever let you off easy are really tough when you're playing 82 games. Um, so spoiler alert, I'm going to be on the over for the thunder, but also <laughs> uh, I still love Shagios Alexander. Let's talk Jason Tatum. Cause I think this one's fascinating. So I, I'm going to actually throw it back to you because I, I want to hear the case for Mitchell right after the case for Shea, because as I build my case and my two guys, I had two more names I was choosing between of should I add a third guy? And the two names were Shea and Donovan Mitchell. They were the two other guys that fit the age range that I'm focusing in on so much. So give me the case for Donovan Mitchell. Okay. Uh, we look at last year and we look at t- ages 22 to 28. So they would be 23 to 29 this season. That's like the the furthest parameters that we kind of got. I bracketed your age range to get a little bit of leeway. Uh, Luca's one, Shea's two. Tatum, spoiler alert, is three on that list. Um, Donovan Mitchell is only seventh on that list. But when we go to expected estimated wins based on EPM and minutes played, he jumps uh, to number four. So he grades out really well in that metric. When I looked at Donovan's season, I was like, I was like, man, people really do not understand how good Donovan Mitchell is. Like they really don't understand how good this team was. The Cavs were on pace for 50 plus wins last season. They tailed off a little bit towards the end um, of the season. They did end the season uh, with 51. So they still crossed the 50. We've already got 50 wins. We know the Cavs can win 50 games. Okay. Last season, 28, four and 4.4 assists for an offense that was stuck in the mud for a long part of the season and added 
they're in you it is not hard to look at the at what the Cavaliers did in the offseason and go, oh, they really wanted to improve shooting. They add Niang and they add Max Struess, and they overpaid for, for for both of those guys to a certain degree. But when you're trying to target specific elements, I'm kind of okay with it, especially when you're trying to convince Donovan Mitchell to stay. A big part of the argument against him will be like, well, he's not even gonna be there. Okay. I want to be clear. Donovan was really excited when he got to Cleveland. He was really excited about that trade. And I do think he believes in the squad. I think that everybody's a little bit shook after what happened in the playoffs. Thanks, J.B. Bickerstaff. And that's like the counter argument to this, right? It's like, you've got Jason Kidd. I've got J.B. Bickerstaff. But (laughs) Donovan's a high usage player on a team that's going to win 50 games. I know their defense is going to be good. And he's going to have absolutely spectacular scoring nights like he had this season when he was scoring 70. Donovan is an is a much better player than he is considered because of the frustrations of the Jazz in that stretch. He's going to be 27 this season, so he's entering his absolute prime. How about 48, 39, 87 splits on high volume? What great efficiency! He is a more gifted passer than he's given credit for. Honestly, he's a pretty good defensive player. Uh, so at the number that he's at in particular. I really love uh, Donovan Mitchell at 25 to one to win MVP. Yeah. I, the, all of those things you said, I, I agree with. I think that Donovan Mitchell's season he just had was underrated and the, the Cavs season they just had was underrated. Um, I think you probably have to look this up. I, I want to know where Donovan Mitchell ranked on your elite 100 list. So while you're looking for that, the reason I want to know is because I don't think Donovan Mitchell is good enough to win MVP. I agree about all the things you just said. I agree that he is underrated. I agree he had a great season. I don't think he's good enough to win MVP. There are different levels of the conversation. And uh, like looking at some of the BPMs, EPMs, I had him, or last year he is 19th in EPM. It's a long ways from Mm -hmm. top two where you usually finish in this award. That's a lot of jump to make. He was 6.3 BPM. That's That's a full number below the bottom threshold. And we're seeing guys up at like eight, nine, ten. It's a big jump, and it's not linear. Like you don't just get a little better and score a couple more buckets. Like that's not how that goes. I think that there's a probably better chance that we just saw Donovan Mitchell's best year in a lot of these metrics, or that that is probably the best he can. Like, let me ask this. Okay, first of all, do, do you have the ranking he has in your Elite One Hundred? He's fifteenth. Okay, so that similar, like. I think that he is a clearly all NBA type player. He's in the list. He's in the conversation for the, he's, he's a franchise player. Like you can figure out, is he a star or a superstar? Depending on what the NBA is calling them nowadays. I don't think he's an MVP caliber player. And I just, the, the numbers don't quite get there for me. Do you think the player Donovan Mitchell is right now Let's say the Cavs win 68 games this year. I'm very high on the Cavs. I don't think 68. But let's say that they are the clear juggernaut team. The player Donovan Mitchell is right now on that team, is he the MVP? Can he win it? Yes. Okay. I don't. I don't think that he can. I just don't think the numbers are there enough. Even Because this was a problem. I think if they're the one seed in the East and they have a better record than the rest of the league, including the Boston Celtics, 
and he's going to have the numbers that he will put up if, in the event that they're because that means I think you and I would both agree that there's no way that their offense could be mediocre and for that to happen. So if the offense comes together and yeah. they've got a top 10, top five offense. That probably means that Donovan's numbers are ticked up a little bit, either in production, efficiency or number or like assists. Right. So that would be that would be part of the argument there. So, Good. So if Donovan Mitchell is on an elite defensive team with a great defensive center with a really surprisingly good offense that is the one seed and the best team in the regular season all year, even though we kind of know it doesn't fit in the playoffs, if Donovan Mitchell is the leading scorer on that one seed team, oh, wait, we saw that happen already. We saw literally this exact scenario as the clear one seed in a conference and Donovan, who wasn't quite as good yet then, I'll admit, was not even remotely in the conversation not yeah. every great team has an MVP candidate. And to me, I have Boston, Cleveland, Memphis are my clear top threes. And I don't think there is an MVP candidate for Cleveland or Memphis. I want there to be. Memphis's is suspended and Cleveland's is probably Mitchell. But I considered Evan Mobley here. And <laughs> when I started considering him, I'm not betting him. But when I started considering him is, is when that was the yellow flag to be like, oh, it's because you don't think Donovan is it and it's got to be something else. So I don't think he's good enough. That's fine. Um, I would say on the elite 100, by the way, let's see one, uh, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of the 15 guys or the 14 guys ahead of him, eight of the 14 ahead of him age out. Yeah. And Jokic and Giannis are arguably Jokic, Giannis and Embiid arguably age out this season. So um, that would that we are, and the only guys above him are uh, Devin, Shay, and Luca. So, um, I get it. I totally get yeah. it. I don't. It's weird to me that there's this perception that Donovan is not very good, and it's something that analytic wonks are, are really very, very strong on. Which is odd because I don't find his numbers to be. They're not like, oh, wow, he's not really impactful at all. They're just like, oh, he's not one of the most impactful guys. But if he has a year where at age 27, he ages into that, where he hits his prime, and that's what it looks like for a team that you and I both think can win 55 plus, that I think is going to carry him a long way. Again, this is this is my pick for the who's next. What if the guy has been there for a while and we just hadn't seen him? And I'll also say this. I do think that there is... The, the jazz became divisive because half the people were like, it's Rudy's fault. And half the people were like, no, it's Donovan's right. But that's kind of, we're past that now. And there's not as much, I think vitriol against Donovan Mitchell. Conversely, there's a lot of people that are sick of Luka Doncic's bullshit of him complaining constantly <laughs> and not playing defense. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell was a better defender last year than, than Luka Doncic by a wide margin. He gave really good effort defensively last season. So uh, those are all the reasons why at 25 to huh. one, I think this has value. Hit me with Tatum. Sure. So interestingly, I struggled with the Tatum pick for a lot of the same reasons I just said about Donovan Mitchell. Is he good enough? I think that Jason Tatum best fits this year my typical historical profile for MVP as the best player in the best team. I think the Celtics are the best team. I'm a little less high on them now that Kristaps Porzingis is already injured heading into the season as he was always going to be. I don't love that. I bumped Boston down a little bit, but before that I had them at 59 wins. I had them as a clear best team in the league and a potential top three offense, top three defense, juggernaut type team. 
And historically, if a team is that good, that's why I just said that with, with the Cleveland thing, if a team is that good, then their star player is almost certainly at least top three in the MVP and in the mix. I talked about my five rules. Jason Tatum is a 4.5 out of five for me. He plays a lot of games. That's one thing he's got above really all these other guys. Well, not the guys we're talking about, but he's going to have that ahead of Jokic and Giannis and, and Embiid. He's going to play more games. He's going to have more minutes out there, and it's going to make him look more valuable. He just is. He scores plenty of points. He puts the numbers up. He's going to win. We know that. Why is he a 4.5? I don't know if Jason Tatum's good enough to win MVP. <laughs> the thing I just said about Donovan Mitchell, I would put Tatum like above Mitchell, but below Luka and Giannis and Jokic and Embiid. And, and you would too. You have him six on your Elite 100. Like the question is, is there, I don't need a leap. I need a step. I need a half step. Is there a half step there for Tatum? And here's why I think there could be. No Marcus Smart this year. I wonder if that could mean a little bit more time with Tatum having the ball. Because sure yeah. as heck is not going to be a one-hand Jalen on the ball. <laughs> Tatum gets more of the ball. You get a couple more shots up, a little more shot creation. I think we get a, maybe a couple more assists. We're not going to give MVP because your assists went up from like five to seven or whatever the numbers would be. But then, you know, that factors into all the, the Vorps and Schwarps that makes them a little nicer in you. It makes your overall profile a little better. I, I think that there is, we've seen in Tatum, we've seen in all these deep playoff runs, we've seen levels. We've seen him hit the level. We've seen the superstar MVP level player in there. Then he comes out the next game and we don't see it. That's what happens. Like we see seven games against the Heat and we get two MVP Tatum games. Everyone wants to talk about like, give the man respect. The other five games matter. And if you're going to win MVP, you don't have to do that. All seven of those games in the regular season, but like you got to do it more than two of the seven. And so my bet is on Tatum getting there three out of the seven or four out of the seven times in a way, if I want to convolute my logic, Porzingis possibly being limited or out might put a little more on Tatum and actually force him to do a little bit more, be a little bit more valuable to the team. So maybe there's some upside there. To me, I see a 10 to 1 on Tatum. At 10 to 1 for the guy that I have as the best player on the best team, it's the one must add to my portfolio. He's not a set it and forget it bet, but if I'm building a portfolio, I think he is the most likely player to finish top three in MVP. And he's the guy I've got to have right now because the Celtics are going to be good right away. You sold me. I'm in. Um, I wasn't that I was out on Tatum. I think that he was clearly top five last year. You know, I think I'll say this. This is a, a non-metric approach. Tatum's control over the game improved considerably last season. There were games where you could see him actually shaping the game. And that's a big part of, I think the intangible stuff that people can recognize in MV in MVPs um, outside of last year's who didn't do that at all. He just made mid range shots. And so Tatum actually is able to like take the ball and create for others and leverage the defense. We heard a lot last season about defense being like a big thing. They're like, but what about the defense with Jokic? I want my MVPs to play both sides of the floor. Jason Tatum is probably of the guys that are in this conversation, right? 
it's probably Giannis and then Tatum for me. Like Tatum is a superb yep. defender on ball, off ball. The metrics last yep. year were very weird because they were like Jalen Brown's a better defender, and I was like, that's not that that's not accurate. Tatum is an absolutely superb defender, and he takes some of the toughest the assignments as well. That's like a tiebreaker thing. Don't bet it because of that. But that's like, look, if this gets down to Luca versus Tatum, and Luca's at fifty wins and Tatum's at fifty six, there you there will be a Tatum's a much better defender conversation. Um, I think the usage does tick up. One of the things that that with the smart move and the Celtics have talked about this, everyone was like, you got to find a point guard that can settle you guys down. You've, your offense falls apart. And they went the other direction. They traded smart and were like, no, we're putting the ball more in the Jays' hands. We want those guys to have the ball in their hands more. And Tatum is going to benefit from that as well. And Tatum honestly is, I think, a little bit better at making plays for other than, than Jalen is. So all of those things combined at 10 to 1, the bet MGM's price is nine. That's still on my threshold. Yeah. I'm good. Like I, I will go ahead and add this as part of the position when I start, as I start to ramp up moving towards it. One quick question on Tatum. When we did always Celtics title odds, as we, as we got into the mix of that May and June, the question I kept coming back to that I couldn't quite get there on with the Celtics was if Boston were to win the title, Jason Tatum would be the best player on a title team comparatively to all the other title teams. How does he stack up? And I couldn't quite get there with the Giannis, the now Jokic, the LeBrons of the world. I'm looking at the MVP list, trying to ask the same thing. Does Jason Tatum belong on the list? Because my gut tells me he doesn't. But I kind of think he could belong. Like, yeah, there's only but, so many Jokic's yeah, and LeBrons but, 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 in the world. So, no, just, let, me, let me get there. Let me get there. Because I'm going to get slandered for this. Let me finish the position. Jason Tatum's not LeBron James, okay? He's not Giannis. He's not Jokic. He's not going to be. He's not going to match those numbers. Could Jason Tatum be Russell Westbrook? Could Jason Tatum be Derrick Rose? I think Jason Tatum could belong on that list of players for in that season as the most valuable player. So I actually talked myself out of my one critique. Not everyone could be MJ and LeBron. It's fine. Jason Tatum's not that. But I think he can belong in this group. I have to be very careful with the comparisons here. Uh, so instead, I would just say, look, uh, Tatum has made four conference finals. Like, as yeah. the best player as the best on the player. as the best player on the team, he has one games, one playoff series. Like he's beaten yeah. Giannis, he's beaten Embiid. And I get the Chris Middleton thing; I'm totally with you. But he's beaten Giannis, he's beaten yeah. Embiid yeah. twice. Uh, he's beaten Jimmy Butler, right? Like lost to him this year, beat him the year before. He's made a finals. He has made conference finals and made. He has been the best player on a finals team. And I get that, I, like, I'm with you on all those things. But here's the other thing is that the Celtics play a certain way that probably downplay a little bit. Like, I don't think that they no. maximize everything Tatum could do if he played for Mike D'Antoni. I don't think that they maximize everything that he can do. I don't think that they minimize it. I think they, they provide a very good balance of him to impact the game in multiple ways. And so the statistical profile isn't there. If it gets there as he ages, then this is going to seem not ridiculous. It's going to be one of those things where everybody's like, he's always been that good. No, no, no. he's got to get better. Like, he's got to get better. But this is the age where yeah. he moves into that range. I think we started to yeah. see it last year. I think he's moving into it this year. I think you are. Okay. I think you should have more confidence in that pick. 
Um, All right, you, you sold me on my own pick. I, yeah. I think I think Tatum checks every box. I need like fifteen percent more individually from him. Here's, and I think that's fair. I think he could get fifteen percent more, and everything else is there. The other thing here is that you don't have to think he's that good. You have to think about whether or not other the whether or not the voting block thinks he's that good, and the voting block right, thinks that's he's true. that good. Like, and whether or not he beats the available choices that year, which is part of the cap here for and, me. So and the and the gap between how the, the voting block looks at Tatum versus how the voting block looks at Mitchell, and I think Tatum's better than Mitchell, but that gap is wide. It's just also reflected in the number because I got Donovan at twenty five to one. I got him at thirty one to thirty one yeah, to one. Agreed. So and to to that end, I would add Tatum to your portfolio now. I think this number shortens because mm-hmm. Boston will be good right away, and we saw. I believe in the first straw poll last year, I think Tatum was a was top two or three one. choice mm-hmm. at the point. So you want to yeah. get him now. Tatum is absolutely your CLV champ here. Like he is the absolute yeah, yeah. CLV oh, for MVP sure. champ. Uh, I actually want to wait because we got If we're going to talk about Tatum, we have to talk about his the other side of the, of the looking glass. Okay, we got to talk about Devin Booker. Okay, okay. So we'll go to the the, the other the old the old guard sure. after this. Um, real quick on Booker, I am kind of wondering, like, look, if I'm going to make this case for Tatum, well, guess what? Um, the Suns have made a conference finals and a finals. The Suns probably would have made a conference finals had the Mavericks weirdness series not happened. So it have been two conference finals back to back. His team could be extremely good this year. I think KD misses time. I haven't bet him yet because I haven't been necessarily compelled, like trying to figure out how this works out in the, the, the Suns is tough, but he is 18 to one at bet MGM. Uh, what is, is there a remarkably better argument for Tatum than there is for Booker? I don't think that the number is right for Booker. The, the idea of a case is there. And I think that if he were priced, where I would have thought he would be maybe a little bit more out of the spotlight, something like a 35 or 40, then I would have been compelled to like add him on as a possible longer shot. Cause I think he is a possible longer shot. Here's why. Number one, he might not be the best player in his own team. Kevin Durant is really good. And we've done this before. Can you really give MVP to not the best player on your own team? And we've done it with Kevin Durant on the team. That's been who we've talked about with it. So if Kevin Durant plays less, but is better if the metrics say he's better, if he leads the team in scoring, which all those things are very possible and very likely, I would argue, are we going to give MVP most valuable player to not the most valuable player on your own team, theoretically? I think that's a conversation. And for some voters, enough of them, it could be a problem. I just, look, Booker in the playoffs last year, I, I described him as that he looked into the face of God. He was incredible. If that's the booker that we're getting on this team, I'm in. This is a get the ticket, get in there. This is what you want. I don't know that we're getting that for a whole season because we've never seen that from anyone. You're like Michael Jordan for the whole season. So I don't know if we're getting that for the whole season. Booker finished 25th in EPM last year. That's a long ways back yeah. from getting to where you need to. His yeah. career high is 4.2 BPM. That's a long ways back. I think he beats both those numbers this year. I do. I like Booker. He's I've never felt more positively about Devin Booker than I do right now. I just think that in the way we talked about an MVP, my last rule was MVPs don't surprise us. I think from a basketball fan point of view, like the, the, the quote unquote casuals point of view, I don't think Booker would surprise, but 
But from what the numbers have told us right now, I think Booker is too far back. I think he's too much of a surprise. So I could see it. But he, for me, especially at 18 to 1, when he's priced similarly to these other candidates, he's one where I, I, I'm just going to have to lose money on it. I, I can't invest at the number. He's going to have to prove me wrong and do it for 82 games or close enough to get there. So I see it. He's the right counterpart. I, I would much rather have my MVP candidate or sleeper candidate in the East where there's a lot of bad teams. And in the West, the Suns, who I don't think their defense will be very, very good, might not even get to 50 wins. I don't know if, if they'll stay healthy. I, I wish Booker were playing point guard, not Bradley Beal. That kind of threw me off a little bit. I wish Booker was the one with the ball in his hands. So we saw the assist jump. We played that prop over and over last year. So I see it. I see the possibility. I see Beal missing some time. I see Durant missing time. I see Booker not. Booker's the guy who's going to be there and be valuable and play. I think that he, similarly to Tatum, gets into the conversation. I could see him getting on a lot of top fives and, and being the mix again, but it's it's just a little too far down for me. So if we look at 2022 and we look at, two th- at uh, that's the year that the Suns were the number one seed. And we look at the age range of 22 to 28. Okay. So if we're, we're trying to get inside the numbers here, if we were to, to exclude last year, book comes out a lot better. Cause that year it was Jokic, Giannis, Tatum, Trey Young, Jared Allen, because of the defense, Carl Anthony Towns actually got a phenomenal season and then Devin. So he, he, he starts to hit in that range. Once we start to apply some of the rules that we've, we've gone through on yeah. the pod. Um, I would, I do want to say don't, you will look at Devin Booker's numbers last year and you will be like, I want that good. And it's true. Devin had a real year from hell, not only with the injury that he suffered in, in December that severely set him back, but also he just like had one of those years where like the, like his shooting wasn't at the caliber of what he's capable of. Like Devin Booker is a better statistical player than he showed in the regular season last year. And the, playoffs are, are kind of definitely proof of that like he still averaged 28 five and five and six right like he's a really great passer and he became a much better defender last year but uh he only shot 35 percent from three and that's for a guy that's career mark is 35.6 and was shooting 38 percent in 2022 now he was at 34 percent the year prior but we kind of expected to kind of go up as these guys evolve maybe that this is like Devin ceiling on three-pointers but if he just gets that efficiency on you know, high volume usage, but low volume threes because it's the Suns up to like 37%. Those numbers are going to reflect a lot better, especially for a guy that's going to win, I think, a ton of games. Um, KD's presence is kind of, this is one of those quote unquote super teams that it's less so of the ones that we've seen uh, in other situations. But with KD's likelihood of missing time due to injury and age, Devin yeah. to me seems like there's a good, like if, if KD misses time as he has the last two seasons and the Suns still rattle off 55 plus, then Devin Booker's going to be in that conversation for MVP. Agreed. And so the number is going to drop. Um, yeah. So if, I'll if, a little bit. if they get to 55 with Durant missing a chunk of time, then I definitely agree Then I think I'm wrong on Booker and you should have him in your position. I, I'm not there, but I do. The Durant missing time thing is, is a real thing. Like last four seasons, he is averaging 34 games. Now to be fair, missed a whole season. So if you just look at the last three seasons, it's basically like 45. That's that's still a lot of missed games. That's a lot missing from a team that has absolutely zero depth and that is probably not going to get like 80 games from Brad Beal either. So 
it, it almost to me, we've talked about a guy being too valuable. There is a little bit of too valuable Booker here for me, especially in conjunction with that. I don't think he's all times the playoff Booker that we saw. So if now you got to be the too valuable guy and you're 25th in EPM or something in that range, then you're not a 55 win team anymore to me. So that's the hesitation. They're not a team yet, but we think they will be. Is Damian Lillard or Jimmy Butler anywhere in this conversation for you? If the Heat are the Heat, we expect them to be. They're out of the range, age range, but could Dame or Jimmy get into the mix at all? Are they even worth the conversation? The EPM is where we we run into a real problem here, right? Because if if I'm going to ascribe as much as I am to it, then the guys that last season um, finished third and fourth have to be in consideration. And they were both, they were third and fourth last year. I think you have to expect a drop in usage as they split some. I think, I do think that their names are big enough to where there will be a cost there. If Dame puts up numbers like he did last season in Portland and Jimmy were to get hurt similar to Booker with KD and they still win 55 games plus, then yes. I can't get the heat there, but that's like a lot of this is like, they got to win the games and we got to keep in mind what they looked like last year. We'd like, I can't throw out that data point of where they finished. Well, they made it got in the finals. Yeah. They, again, though, this is a regular season award and that was, this was the eight seed or seven seed. So uh, I am at a, um, the age instantly makes me not want to bet it. Yeah. Um, they are guys. I think that we'll still be able to get good numbers on. And that their numbers will not evaporate. We'll still have long numbers on them, I think, till midseason. See, that's interesting. I don't know that I agree with that. I see right now a Dame ticket at 25 to 1 and a Butler at 75 to 1. If that team formulates and is good right away, I think people will quickly, that's going to be a conversation. So if I was going to pick either uh, of the potential super teams, because that's what he will be talked about if that happens, if. Damian Lillard got traded right now with the package that we've been talking about for 17 years now to the Heat. I think if I had to pick to add either Dame at 25 to 1 or Booker at 18 to 1 to a portfolio, I would rather have the age red flag for Dame than the not quite good enough metrics thing for Booker. And at the better price, I would t- take Dame. It sounds like you would pick Butler of the two. Is, or sorry, not Butler. Booker. Is, is Booker who you would choose between him yeah. and Dame? Yeah, that's who I would okay. choose. Um, you know, and again, I'm not married to these positions, but if we're betting sure. on percentages, I like the value on Booker, I think, a little bit more than I like it on Dame, even with this, with this. In part, there's a reason that we have the thresholds, right? Like the age thresholds have been consistent. We haven't seen guys... Yeah over 30 win. And so to me, it's like, you're going to have to show me that the guy's leading in the, is clearly the MVP or is leading in the straw poll in order for me to start buying. Yeah. Buckets is presented by bet MGM use bonus code action when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets. If your first bet loses for new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you ready to dive into last year's nonsense? Yeah, let's do it. Brandon, I will just go ahead and I'll speak for Brandon. Brandon and I disagree with with how the vote played out. We managed to bet it fine because we talked about it in buckets. 
uh, opportunities to get it on Embiid when Jokic went up and, and vice versa. And so I just leveraged against each other and I came out okay. Um, it was like an okay year for me. MVP is usually a good year for me. It was an okay year for me because of how much I had on Jokic. Um, the, I cannot stress enough how much of an outlier it was. Um, I have never seen a directed campaign against a player as much as last year was directed against Jokic. It's tough for me to talk about this because like I'm in Denver and I cover the Nuggets as the local team. And so there's this idea of like there being this huge inherent bias. I have criticisms of Joel Embiid's game. If he did not play like that, I would be like, oh no, he's awesome. If if he could handle a double team, I, I would feel differently about how he plays. If he wasn't relying on mid-range jumpers out of pick and pop from the player that le- literally led the league in his system was a former MVP, then I would feel differently. Um, I don't think you can take much away from last year's vote. I think that most voters understand. I think that they're, if you're going to take anything away from it, you should probably bump up Jokic in your estimation and bump down Embiid because everyone was like, well, we can't vote for Jokic. What He's probably not going to win a title. Whoops. And then like, why? Well, you know, we could, we should vote for Embiid because like I could trust him in the playoffs. Whoops. And it was dumb at the time because Embiid has done nothing but fail in the playoffs and we've bet against him and Jokic has won in the playoffs and we've bet on him. And yet here we are. The whole thing was maddening. The whole thing was dumb. The whole thing got twisted into a whole bunch of bullshit that was unfair to everybody involved. But Embiid campaigned as aggressively as anybody is going to. Won the award. He got it. Congratulations. But I think that for me, that's kind of takeaway. Like, I just think that, that Giannis, Embiid, Jokic, who have been the winners and the top three over the last, since 2019, is when um, Giannis won his first one. Those have been the three names in the conversation every year the past three seasons. I think those guys are done for various reasons. I think that they're going to prioritize rest for the championship. I think Embiid has to. I don't know where Embiid's going to play. The Harden situation is unresolved when we record this. I don't know how that's going to work out. And if it goes sideways and Embiid asks out, I don't know what that does to an MVP case. Jokic said after he won the championship, he was going to take more time than he ever had to rest up because he was mentally exhausted from that run as you would expect for a guy that's played as much as he has. I think that, that even though they're going to need him this season with their depth issues, that Jokic is going to miss more time. And when Jokic misses more time, the Nuggets won't be as good and that will hurt him. I don't think the numbers will be as big. I don't think his usage will be as high. I don't think his minutes will be as high. And then with Giannis, Giannis could definitely come out and be the best player in the world, but Honestly, like since 2021, the jumper hasn't been there, and that takes a little bit of something away. Giannis's numbers have not been quite as good the last two seasons, and that matters. So for me, Brandon, I think last year was a bunch of nonsense, but I think it also spelled the end of that era. I think that all three of these guys, until we get in season, are no bets for me. Yeah, I, I agree with that. We talked about on the age 24 to 28 thing that these three guys are aging out depending on how we want to do the cutoff. Embiid is 29. Giannis and Jokic turn 29 in season. Jokic after my my fake deadline that basketball reference has set, so he technically qualifies. I think the way you said it, though, is interesting. Have they conversationed out of the NBA conversation for MVP too? And I, I feel like maybe. I feel like the way things went in March, April last year when it was just toxic and people were just done with MVP – and the arguments for and against these three, like the age thing says that maybe it's time for next. 
I think the conversation kind of says that too. Like the narrative says, you know what? It's great. We look back over five years. We got two Jokic, two Giannis, one Embiid. Everyone got one. I feel pretty good. You feel good? You feel good about the five years? Thumbs up. We're good to go. Like that's the thing that we've done. But I think that that means turn the page. So one by one through these guys really quickly. I think Giannis at uh, the longest I price I'm seeing is is at BetMGM at plus 550. Absolute no bet at that price. I think it's done for Giannis as the MVP. Not Giannis as a player. I'm not saying Giannis is cooked. I'm not saying that. Giannis is actually misses a lot of games. He would have not qualified for 65 game. He's played 165 games three of the last four years. Now, we missed part of the season, a couple of those, but he barely gets to that threshold or misses it. He turns 29. We know that Coach Bud, who's not there anymore, won a lot of games and had a great formula with the team and had a great defense. We don't know what that looks like with a new team, and it's hard to imagine it being much better so it could go in the wrong direction. We know that Giannis is hurt right now. He missed the World Cup that he would have wanted to play at with his brothers because he has a lingering knee injury into the season. That's not great. And then the thing, too, we have the stat near the end of our 17-hour first episode of this. He would be the only player other than Michael Jordan to go three years between winning MVP and winning again. And remember, Michael Jordan wasn't in the league for part of that. I think it's done for Giannis with MVP. I, I, I would not bet him at 550. I think it's a ludicrously too short number given the profile. Jokic, he's the one name of the three that I am probably going to feel compelled to add to my profile at some point. But he's a clear no bet right now for the specific reason of what you said, including the fact that he is a notoriously slow starter for his career. That's what the numbers scream to us. October and November are by far the worst month statistically of Jokic's career. They're the only two months he's got below 20 points per game. He like eases into the year and plays himself into shape after all the horses and racing and everything from the summer. The dude won a championship. I hope he went out and partied and had a good time this summer. I hope he comes out of shape and plays his way into it. He now knows, as this team does, May and June. That's what we're getting ready for. We're going to be there in the end. Let's just get there and get, get to that spot. So on the flip side, I could see us coming back four months from now and being like, what are we doing? Nikola Jokic is the best player in the world. We knew that. We already knew that. We all agreed that he is the best player Matt, you live right there. You watch him. You go to the Denver games. Brandon, you were angry all last year that Jokic didn't win MVP. You idiots. He's the best player. You compared him to LeBron and Jordan in the finals run that he had. You fools, just give him the award. The narrative is there. We want him to win another one because he probably should have got it last year. Some of the voters. I could see that. I don't think it's happening. And I will keep an eye on it, but I will have to buy later. Because I think there's almost no chance that as the favorite at, at plus 400 range, I absolutely am getting a better price on that later if I wait. Do you agree at least on that part that I can wait and add Jokic later if I need to? Yes, absolutely. 100%. Um, yeah. You can buy low on him after the first month of the season. He'll dip yeah. at some point in the season. Um not I, you know, knock on wood, but Jokic has been incredibly durable. He missed games last season because they sat him out and they rested him. They may not have that luxury this season, but that increases the odds of an injury after how much basketball he's played. I got to really stress how little his motivation is this season. Like, yeah. 
it just isn't there. And you could say like, well, he didn't care about winning in 2021 or 22. He needed to play the level he did in order for them to get where they were going. He doesn't need to anymore. If they coast to a four seed, he's fine. The Nuggets are not worried about going to Phoenix for game seven. They're not worried about going um, to Golden State for game seven. Like they won the championship. They're pretty confident in their ability to win. And so I still think he'll, he can put up monster numbers and he'll still be. And here's, you kind of mentioned this. He might be the best player in the world. Guess what? In 2014, LeBron James was still the best player in the world. Kevin Durant won MVP. Like yeah. 2015 and 16, 16, I think you got to say it was Steph just because how he played. But like 2015, LeBron was still the best player in the world. Steph won MVP. Like over and over and over again, you could have made so many cases. The the best player in the world does not win MVP. Last year, quite honestly, if you were just like squirt gun to, to your head, who's the best player in the world? Most people, I think, even the voters would probably say Giannis didn't win MVP. Finished third. So I don't think you have to worry about the best player in the world conversation. It's fair, though. Again, I could see us a few months from now being like, we tried so hard to figure out who else was going to be in the conversation. We knew it wasn't Giannis. We knew it wasn't Embiid. We tried Shane. We tried Luca, And we tried Booker and all the other guys. Why don't we just pick the guy who's in his prime and is awesome right now? I could just, yeah. I can see that conversation yeah, happening. I hear you. The counter to that is uh, the Nuggets are coasting along at three games over 500 and are just completely under the radar. Yeah. And Jokic is well on pace to miss more than, than – 17 games and you're like oh like you got time <laughs> the, the unequivocal answer to all this is you got time it's okay there's yeah. another spot for that Jokic and we'll I, I was you. gonna shrug at the Jokic missing more than 17 games but if I had to think of any player in the world who would literally sit out the yes. last week of the season to dip yes. under 65 yes. to escape the conversation yes. this is probably the guy yeah like the NBA would really frown on that so probably not but I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. Let me I think, do a, I, think he'll ta- I think he'll target 64. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's just like the plan all along. So oops, it didn't line up quite well, right. No, for him. Make it, oh, that's too bad. Um, okay. Let me make a else? heel turn for one minute here yeah. is. So I made the case. What happens four months from now? Why don't we just bet Nikola Jokic again? Here's my heel turn. Joel Embiid finished top two in EPM, both of the last two seasons. We know how indicative that is. He is awesome. Joel Embiid won MVP last year. Out of the last 15 years, 10 out of the 15 MVPs went to a guy who won MVP and then won it again the next year. We just saw it happen with Jokic twice in a row. That happened right after Giannis won twice in a row. We've seen Steph win twice in a row. LeBron twice in a row, two times. Never three, no threes, but twice in a row happens a lot. We have the reigning MVP who is a clear top two best player right now in the world by all the metrics that we have. Anyone you choose will tell you it's one of him and Jokic, and he's the reigning MVP, and history says reigning MVPs win, and he's not the favorite, and he's not even close. He's about double the price. I see a plus 850 out there. Could we wake up four months from now and say, what are we doing? We had the reigning MVP as like fourth or fifth down the odds board, he was the, one of the best players in the world by every metric. Why did we make this so hard? This was such an obvious thing. I think if we went back and we looked at the way that players go out in the playoffs before they're eligible, I haven't done the, the, the research on this, but I would say that anecdotally, 
I think we can find a pretty clear pattern. Um, Jokic is not defined this season by the 2020 bubble run where they made the Western Conference Finals coming back from three down 3-1 twice versus a very good Utah team and a very good Clippers team. Like Jokic was the best player in a series with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and everyone just forgot it. You know why? Because they got swept by the Warriors. Sorry, gentlemen swept by the Warriors, right? They go out weak yeah. versus the Warriors. And so that's what they remember is, well, can, can Jokic do it in the playoffs? Even though he just won a playoff series the year before without Jamal Murray and MPJ. If we look back and we, we just kind of go through the list of guys now, like 2012 LeBron is like a counter to this, right? It was like, well, LeBron went out sad in 2011. I was like, yeah, but you made the finals, right? Like made the finals, came back as a better player and was like the most dominant, clearly player in the league at that point. The fact that Embiid didn't just go out, but went out so pathetically like Sixers fans were like, come on, man, I've defended like I went on all these pages and called people morons and idiots and all of this and said that they don't know anything and said they should be fired for you. Why did you have to do this? Like they turn into the saddest people on the planet. That's an indication of like how much pushback I think there will be. Like, I do think Joel is facing the, um, yeah, you're going to need to get out of a meaningful series. Like, you're going to have to beat anyone serious for us to take you seriously. Now, the point about, like, we get to midseason and people forget, possible, entirely possible. I also just think that if you're Embiid, you're aware of that conversation. You have to reposition towards, like, and the, the Sixers have talked about this. Let's say that they manage, they, they figure out something with the Harden situation, and they still have a contending team. Like Maurice talked about, like we have to find a way to where Joel's healthy in the playoffs because it's either been the hand or the wrist or the face or the knee or the toe or the foot or the or the calf or the shoulder or the sinus headaches or the seasonal allergies or whatever it is. He's always got something. They got to get him healthy. So I don't. I think there's a very good chance he misses he misses misses the 65 game mark. All of those reasons to me are reasons why I don't think there's good value now. I think it within be more than. More than any of the top guys, I think you got to wait and see. Yeah, I, I mean, I of course agree with all of that. The heel turn is over. <laughs> I yeah. tried. I, I think I think there's a real way to frame that conversation. But at the very, very beginning of our MVP conversation, you made me choose one thing. What's one thing that I have to keep in mind? And my one thing was humans vote on MVP. And last year, as the season went on, I said, Nikola Jokic checks every box. And as the season went along, he was winning and they were the one seed and he had all the stats and he was doing the triple doubles and he had all the BPMs and EPMs. And I confidently was coasting toward a clear MVP victory. Could not have been clearer and easier to me, the non-voter who would have voted very easily on number one. And I didn't really take into consideration that when we did this podcast, I remember I said, he checks every box, he does all the things. The only reason he wouldn't win is just like voter fatigue or something because he would be three in a row. But of course, like I just shrugged it off as a thing. Narrative matters. Narrative is what made him not win in the end last year. And Embiid has a massive narrative problem because I cannot see people, the voter block, especially the way that people admitted being embarrassed, the way that things shook out last year. Maybe again, maybe in the future, if there's a nice run, but not this year. It's going to have to be a seat in the playoffs thing. So it's in my notes for Joel and me to have like a verdict for each one. I have all caps. No way, no bet, never again. So I made the case. I heel turned. I'm back. I'm Brandon and Bede. Get out of here. Before we get out of here, 
I, you and I are going to go 10 rounds on the Warriors when we do Pacific Division. We're going to go 10 <laughs> rounds. Even if you're right, I am begging you. If the Warriors get off to a start and they are 12 and 1, I am begging you not to bet Steph. I am begging you not because you're going to want to. And, <laughs> and you can't. Here's the numbers. Here's the games played since 2018 51, 69, 5, 63, 64, 56. Can't do it. He's just. It, 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 he, you, you can't do it. I know I have it. Look, I, I had him number two on playoff players. He is the second best player in the NBA playoffs, according to my rankings. Okay. I, he's better than Giannis. You can't bet him for MVP. He's not going to play enough games, Brandon. He, he, on my other candidate section, he is the top name on my list. He's ahead of Shea and Donovan Mitchell because boy, do you know me well? Cause I was like, well, what if we get a legacy season for Steph? What if the Warriors make one more run at the old top of the league? I don't rule that out entirely. You would rule it out much quicker than I do. But I see pretty much every book. Steph is 14 to 1. Get all the way out of here. I am not doing it at 14 to 1. If he was 40 to 1, then I would make the case and be like, well, you know, it's a vacuum. And I don't really know who can win it this year. But 14 to 1 is a ludicrous number. And let me close by making that same case for one LeBron James. There is a 60 to 1 out there for LeBron James. And everything you just said about Steph is also true of LeBron James. Games played 55, 67, 45, 56, 65. That's with the Lakers. He's only hit 65 twice in that stretch. He's 39 years old. That's a little bit past 24 to 28 age range. The last time I checked, it's a decade past. He hasn't won MVP for a decade. That's a little longer than the Jokic stretch and the Giannis stretch. He breaks all the rules that I said, but he's also LeBron James who breaks all the rules. And if there is a vacuum of MVP, if there's not a clear winner and it's like, well, I don't know. Is is Tatum good enough to be MVP? Is Booker's four or five seed sons. What do we think about Donovan Mitchell? Hey, you know, the Lakers who added a lot of good regular season guys and are like the three seed and are in the mix out there. How about a legacy award for LeBron? Shouldn't LeBron have one more MVP? Think of all those years. LeBron should have won MVP. How about one more? He's not going to be any of the stuff I'm talking about. But I got to tell you, 60 to one, I was like, 60 to one, LeBron is still playing and good. And like at least a top 10 player, 60 to one, he doesn't make any sense to me. But am I crazy to at least look at 60 to one? I know, I know I'm doing the LeBron thing like I do every single episode. 60 to one is crazy. Yeah, you're just reverse jinxing this because you don't want to see it happen. Um, <laughs> look, I, I, it would be, here's the thing it would be, it would be an insult to not only the other candidates that are going to be more, more deserving because of their production. It would be insulting to LeBron. It would be like a lifetime achievement mm. award. It would be like, uh, we love you so much. Here you go. You weren't really the best, but here you go. They wouldn't do that. Like there's a higher, <laughs> I think there's a higher That's respect true. for LeBron amongst the voters. Um, I, don't think play, I don't think he'll play enough games. What I do think is interesting there is it's an important note. There are still a lot of people, myself included, that feel that the best player on the Los Angeles Lakers is LeBron James. So when you're thinking about Anthony Davis, you need to consider whether or not you can make a clear case that he is the best player on the team. And well, you can do that with a lot of the guys that we've mentioned. You can't do it with Anthony Davis. And that's the reason why I would not bet 
on Anthony Davis. All right, let's go wrap it up for MVP episode. Thanks for listening to it. We appreciate you guys. We really care about this stuff. Hopefully we've given you some good bets or giving you some ways to think about this stuff to decide how you want to bet. Make sure to hit us up on Twitter to let us know what you think about it. You can catch Brandon at Wheaton Brando. I'm at HP Basketball. We'll be back with more episodes throughout the offseason. Get you set as we get closer to training camp days. We'll cover more of the awards next week. We'll do most improved player. We'll hit on uh, some of the other things that we're getting set for, how to bet in our series. We appreciate you guys joining us. My thanks to David Payne, our producer, and our awesome video producers that put stuff on YouTube. Check out the Action Network YouTube page and the Action Network app. We'll see you guys again next time. Till then... Let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.